morning. I am Pastor Andrew. For those who don't know who I am, um, we're continuing our series on dropping the nets. Um, for those who might be new, you're thinking dropping the nets. What does that mean? Is that like obscure basketball term? No. We're talking about um, the call of discipleship. When, when Jesus called his disciples, uh, they dropped their nets and they followed him. Um, the last few weeks, just in review, uh, we talked about different aspects of discipleship. We talk about the personal call of Jesus. When Jesus called you to discipleship, it's a personal call. It's not just a general call. It's a call by name. And then we talk about the covenant of discipleship. Uh, just a reminder, remember when, when, when Pastor Ron talked about discipleship, it's much less like a joining a fraternity, but much more like a marriage. Remember that? And then um, last week we talked about the transformational power of discipleship. Now this week we're going to continue you know, we, we think about transformation. What's the purpose of transformation? Do we just want God to transform our hearts so we can look good, so we can be nice and shy and just, just look good out in the sun? Transformation is not an end in itself. It's not cold a second in itself. Transformation is for a purpose, and the purpose is so that we can be prepared to go on mission with God. And um, just a disclaimer here, this, mis- this, this message today seems very straightforward. Okay, where it's a message on being on mission with Jesus, uh, outwardly, it's straightforward. It might seem kind of shallow. I'm probably not going to say anything you haven't heard before. But just from my own heart, as I'm preparing for this message, I realize this is a tough message. There really is. Um, this is a message that I struggle with my whole entire life. And even this morning, I was struggling with being on mission with Jesus and not being on my own mission. Um, so I'm asking you to dig a little deeper. Let the Holy Spirit just open up your heart right now. Let the Holy Spirit really speak to you, okay? Don't just listen through your ears. Listen to your spirit, okay? But just for now, I want you to go to your neighbor, whisper to your neighbor, and ask them a question. Say, whose mission are you on? Just do that right now. Ask them, whose mission are you on? I'm going to say that over. I heard repetition is key in education. I was in education for 10 years. Uh, Hopefully it's true. So we're going to repeat that over and over again, asking you, whose mission are you on? So... When we think of missions, okay, um, we often say this phrase, man on a mission, right? What does that mean? So what might come to mind when you think about mission is, is this. Show that first slide. Mission impossible. You remember this? Most of you are like, mission impossible? What are you talking about? That's not mission impossible. Yes, that's the original mission impossible. I love that TV series. But since then, it's been hijacked by this guy. <laughs> Tom Cruise and his hair has hijacked Mission Impossible for me. In which in the first movie, they killed off all the guys I love. I'm like, what is going on here? Regardless which Mission Impossible you prefer, it involves an elite team of special trained, specially trained experts that takes on impossible challenges to save the world, right? That's what you think of when you think of mission. Now, what probably doesn't come to mind is this guy. Okay. Now, I, I would argue he is on a mission to eat as many Cheetos as he can without using hands. Uh, or, or the second guy here. Now, look carefully. No, he's not my brother, okay? Um, but, um, but I probably know a few guys like this. Now, first, I'm like, what's he doing? Think about it. He's on a mission to look at his phone lying down without using hands. It's actually pretty creative. Only an Asian person can come up with something like that. That, that, or maybe this guy, okay? I'll be culturally neutral. I'm going to put the white guy in there. Uh, 
check this out. You can't really see it, but that box is the box of his unassembled chair, okay? <laughs> so you might be thinking, these three guys are definitely not on mission. I am t- on a mission today to prove to you that's not true. They are on a mission as much as anybody, okay? Now, mission comes from this word, from the Latin word mitere, uh, meaning to send. So to be on mission is literally being sent by someone, okay, to do something. Being on mission means that you are sent to do someone's mission, uh, someone's vision, okay? So I've been told by many preachers and teachers, they say, you're lucky if I can get you guys to go away from today with one thing, just one thing, just remembering one thing. Now, personally, I have a little higher opinion, you guys. I'm hoping for like two, maybe three. But if there's only one thing, one big idea that you can go with from today is this, okay? Is that you are always, always on a mission. Whether you know it, whether you want it, whether you see it, you are always on a mission. So let me give you a long, extensive physics illustration to show you, okay? Right now, sitting in your seat, okay? Are you moving? Now, the right answer to me would be like, no, I'm not moving. What are you talking about? Play it up. Okay, yes, you are moving. The truth is, you are moving, not just moving. You are moving about 1,000 miles an hour right now. Because simply because the rotation about the earth across this axis. Did you see that picture first? Is that will give you the hint? Uh, Think about it. So sitting in your seat right now, if you're not moving for the next 24 hours, sitting in your seat, you are going to travel the circumference of the earth in 24 hours, right? So even standing still or sitting still, you will be traveling. In order for you to make that whole circumference in 24 hours, you need to be traveling about 1,000 miles an hour. But that's not all. Consider that the earth is rotating around the sun, right? In order for you to make that orbit, okay, in one year, you got to travel about 600 million miles, okay? So at this very moment... You are actually traveling, traveling at 66,000 miles per hour. With that speed, you can go from one end from San Francisco to D.C. in about three minutes. Okay? I wish I could make that type of travel speed going to Vietnam. <laughs> Be there in 15 minutes. Yeah. But wait, as they say on TV, that's not all. Our solar system is spinning around our galaxy. Our sun is spinning around our galaxy. Go to the next picture. And our sun is taking all of us with him. Our sun is traveling at an amazing 483,000 miles an hour. And we are along for the ride. So at that speed, you can make the full rotation of the earth in about three minutes. I did the math myself. Okay. 400, you're you're traveling at almost 500,000 miles an hour right now. Just think about that for a second. So next time, I was joking around first arrest, the next time you get pulled over by the police, and they say, hey, why are you going 45 on the 25? You say, officer, I'm only traveling 20 miles an hour faster, okay? Did you know right now you're traveling at 500,000 miles? What's 20 miles, man? Come on, right? <laughs> Let me know that works. <laughs> and don't say my pastor told me that. So you got your physics lesson for the year. You're welcome. Why am I talking about this? I am making a point. The point is that whether you think you're moving, whether you see yourself moving, whether you even want to be moving, you are moving. The same thing without being on a mission. All of us are serving on a mission. It doesn't matter if you like it. It doesn't matter if you see it. It doesn't matter if you know it, you're aware of it. 
you are on a mission. The only thing we can change is whose mission we are serving. Okay. So the guy who sits in his basement does nothing. I'm not pointing fingers. I've been there before. I just, just play video games. It's a crazy amount of video games I played in college. I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission to indulge in my flesh, indulge in the desires of the flesh, the, my, my, my cravings, my desire. I'm on a mission. Everyone is on a mission. Now look at Joshua's challenge to the Israelites as he's leading them to, to the promised land. He says, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, to Joshua, there's no middle ground. You either serve these gods of the age or you serve the Lord. You will be serving someone. You will be on someone's mission. The question is, whose mission are you on? So that's what I want you to take away from today. You are always on a mission. Now, there's, there's two things you can take away from today. I'm going to give you a big challenge, okay? So I'm believing you. You can, you can remember two things from today. The second thing, the big challenge is, can you be aware of whose mission you are on? Now, I say that because I am notoriously unaware of whose mission I am on. I forget whose mission I'm on all the time. From the day-to-day basis, I am not thinking whose mission I'm on. I'm thinking, i got to put out this fire. i got to take care of this issue. i got to deal with this and this and this and this. i got this checklist to do, right? Someone just texted me. i got this, this fire to put out. I am not thinking whose mission am I on. Now, why is this awareness so important? If you are on the wrong mission and you're not even aware of it, you know what's going to happen? You're going to end up going to places you never meant to go. You're going to end up doing things you never meant to do. Now, I don't know about you. I have been on some terrible missions in my life before. Um, Earlier in my life when I was in high school, I was on a mission to do fulfill whatever cravings I felt in my heart. I just got a car. I can go anywhere I want, do whatever I want. In college, I was on a mission to fulfill the path of least resistance. I want to get the highest grade with the least amount of effort. You know? If I can just study for five minutes and get a C, good to go. As I got a little older in life, I was on a mission for financial security. I would never call it greed, but it's pretty much the same thing. I wanted money to satisfy the fears of my heart. I have a mission to deal with a lot of to, to serve a lot of pains and wounds and hurts from my heart. But the worst mission I've ever been on, the worst boss who's ever sent me on a mission is myself, my selfish ambition. Now, maybe you feel the same way. You would think, man, I would make a good boss, right? Like, who doesn't work for, want to work for Andrew Mayne? Like, wouldn't you want to work for me? I thought working for me would be great. Everything in this world is telling me it would be great to work for you, okay? Just be you. Just be you, man. You deserve it. Well, at first, I really enjoy serving whatever ambition that came, I can think of. But as time went on, I realized um, me is really, really demanding. He's really, really picky. He's obsessive-compulsive. He knows all my flaws. And he calls them out all the time. He never leaves me alone. He's really um, petty, easily anger. He cares too much what people think. So one day he's following that direction. One day he's going this direction. Okay, he's unpredictable in a bad way. His mission took me to some dark, dark places. I ended up hurting a lot of people I never meant to hurt. And the worst part about serving the mission of me is that he's sneaky. Okay, He's sneaky, sneaky. I'll be serving on some other mission 
he'll come on halfway, he'll just hijack it. He'll be like, ah, it's my mission now. The problem is a lot of times serving myself looks kind of good and looks similar to maybe what God's doing. So I'll be trying to serve God, and all of a sudden, my ambition will just jump into hijacks and say, nope, you're serving me now. If I'm not aware, I end up serving myself once again. Does that relate to anybody? Is that just me? Now, but God's so merciful. He put these little alarms in my head that goes off when I'm on the wrong mission. Okay, See if this resonates. Whenever I feel the trigger of self-pity, whenever I start feeling bad for myself, woes me, oh, no one cares about me. I work so hard, but no one cares. Eh, eh, wrong mission. Whenever I feel, feel bitterness or unforgiveness, offenses from people, people doing something that doesn't make me happy, I still feel that, that grudge inside, that bitterness inside. Eh, eh, wrong mission. How about this? Jealousy and insecurity. Okay, one of the best tests of whose mission I'm on is when I'm around someone who's getting promoted. When God starts doing something powerful in their lives, and I'm like, hmm, what kind of emotion is that listening? Okay, am I so proud of this person? Am I so happy? Am I so joyful that God's using this person powerfully? Or is it making me feel insecure? If I'm feeling insecure, it's a sure sign that I'm on my own mission. How about this? Frustration, anxiety, controlling. When I start to feel all those things, it's like I'm on the wrong mission. I need to make a U-turn at the next exit. Now, I hope this relates to this. Um, If you suffer from insecurity, depression, anxiety, you might be serving a terrible, terrible boss, and you might be on a terrible, terrible mission. Maybe you have never thought about it like this before. You just think this is the way it is. I'm telling you, it is, it's not the way it has to be. You can be serving a different mission. So what do you do? So what do you do? See, the key is God designed us to be on mission. Now, when he created Adam and Eve, okay, right before he left them in the garden, he said, hey, go and be fruitful and multiply, okay? Go take dominion of the earth. In other words, here's a mission for you. And think about Jesus right before he went up to heaven. He says, hey, here's the great commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. God knows that we are wired for a mission. We need a mission. He created us for a mission. But not just any mission. We are created for his mission. Only his mission can unlock the things of our heart. So what is Jesus' mission? Now, his mission is not complicated. It's very straightforward. He makes it clear as day. Now, I'm not saying it's easy, but it's very clear. Let's turn to Matthew 28. Many of you might know this verse by heart. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, I want to be very clear about this. This is where clarity kicks in. There are many people who will consider themselves Christians. But the word Christian has become such a culturally sterile term. And by that, I mean I don't know what that word means anymore. What Christian might mean to you might mean something completely different than someone else. That word is foggy to me anymore, okay? I'm not dissing that. I'm just saying I'm not really sure what that means. Instead, I prefer to use this term. I prefer to use follower of Jesus. Because when you're following Jesus, 
you're following his mission, and his mission is clear. So that gives me clarity. His mission is not just about being a nice person. Now, I'm not saying being a nice person is wrong. You should probably be a nice person to be part of the mission, but that is not the mission. His mission is not just about going to church on Sunday. Again, I'm not saying don't go to church on Sunday. Don't hear me wrong. I'm just saying that is not the center of his mission. It's not just about engaging in some social cause or advancement, any social issues. Again, those are good things, but they're not the center of his mission. The center of the mission is this, to be a disciple, to be a disciple, and then to teach others to be a disciple. That's it. Be a disciple, be trained, be obedient, and then teach someone else to do the same. That little scheme of discipleship took a few hundred normal, uneducated men and changed the world. That's what discipleship is. So this is, this is what you do. Be honest with yourself. Whose mission are you really on? Whose mission are you really on? If discipleship is not in your heart, ask yourself, whose mission are you really on? Maybe you need a new boss and a new mission. Now, for the remainder of time, I just want to share with you three reasons why I am on mission with Jesus. Now, there are probably thousands and thousands of reasons to be on mission with Jesus. Uh, I can't speak to them all. I'm just going to share my top three reasons why I want to follow Jesus. The first reason is, is this, the cost of not following Jesus. You know, many people are afraid to follow Jesus, and they tell me this for good reason. They say, I can't afford to follow Jesus, okay? Jesus requires that I give him my whole life. Absolutely true. He says, whoever wants to follow me must take up the cross, deny themselves, and follow me. What we don't understand is that every mission has a cost. Every mission at the end of the day is going to cost you your life, okay? I'll just give you a couple examples. You know, I speak from experience. If you live your life dedicated to wealth or material goods material comfort, whatever you want to call it. Look at what Jesus said. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one or love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus is saying, if you live a mission for money or finances or financial blessings, you will be known to God as someone who hates God. Can you afford that? I can't afford that. I cannot afford to be known as someone who hates God. How about this one? Living for pleasure. Again, what do you want to call it? Popularity, acceptance, for fun, for ventures. I'm not saying those are bad things in itself. I'm saying that you make that your mission. Look at what 1 Peter 2, 11 says. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very soul. What's the cost there? That you are feeding to these cancers of your heart that wage war against your soul. Resulting in your heart becoming more and more numb, more and more numb. Next thing you know, you're not feeling anymore. You're not loving anymore. You're not caring anymore. You're waging war against yourself. See, the way I see it, the question is not whether you can afford to follow Jesus. The real question is whether you can afford to not follow him. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 16. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Jesus is saying, you will have to forfeit your soul in this life. You will have to give away your life 
to somebody. Please give it to me. When you give it to me, you get it all back and more. I mean, that's just the reality of things. Let's be clear. You don't get to keep your life in this in existence, that reality we have. You have to give it away. If you're not giving to Jesus, then I ask you the question, who are you giving it to? Whose mission are you on? Furthermore, Jesus says this, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your soul, Take my, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is recognizing that every single mission is going to be associated burden with it. Every mission has a burden. Every mission has a cost. And these burdens are heavy, and these costs is heavy. But the only mission that you can be on that has a light burden is with Jesus. Now, I don't know how, how or why. Probably because he's carrying that burden with you. But if you want a light burden, you're on a mission with Jesus. So, again, my question for you, how heavy is the burden on your shoulder this morning? How heavy is your burden? If you got a heavy burden, I want to ask you, whose mission are you on? Maybe it's time for a new mission. So the first reason is you can't afford to not follow Jesus. The second reason that I follow Jesus is that godly, a God-sized mission will feel godly discipline. I'm just being super real here. How many of you, you can raise your hand because I'm going to raise mine, struggle with spiritual disciplines? I'm talking about praying regularly, reading your Bible regularly. I'm talking, I'm, I'm seeing the F word, fasting regularly. <laughs> being in community, keeping each other accountable. All those fun spiritual disciplines, okay? I, I struggle all my life to do those things regularly. But I am convinced the reason for the lack of discipline is due to a lack of mission. Check out in Proverbs 29, where there's no vision or mission, the people are unrestrained, but happy is he who keeps the law. The people are unrestrained. People are lazy. People are out of control. People are doing whatever they want because there's no vision. Now, I want to use um, three simple analogies to kind of describe this scenario. I'm going to not talk about spiritual health. I'm going to talk about physical health for a second. Now, for me, uh, a person could be on three different modes in terms of physical health, and you can feel free to identify as one of them. The first one is what I call crisis management mode, okay? Crisis management mode is basically you could care less about your body. You don't ever care about what you put into it. You eat whatever comes to mind, okay? Um, You never exercise, never go see a doctor for preventative care, the only time you ever care, guess what, is when the crisis hit, okay? A blood vessel pop, okay? You get a heart attack. Something bad happens. You're like, uh, I should probably go see the doctor, okay? I'm that way with my, uh, my te- the health of my teeth, okay? I hate going to see a dentist. The only time I'll go see a dentist is the pain of not going to see a dentist is greater than the pain of going to see a dentist. I'm driven by pain, basically, okay? Anyone else? Okay, don't raise your hand. Um, but that's a very costly way to live. Trust me, I know. I have $1,000 in dental bill due to that, okay? That's what I call crisis management mode. And then you got maintenance mode, okay? Maintenance mode is where I am right now, personally. You know, for a while, I was in the good. I was doing the keto diet. But after a while, I'm like, I can't really handle it. Um, but maintenance mode is basically I'm maintaining, okay? I'm just maintaining. 
Okay? So right now I practice intermittent fasting. So I eat about two meals a day unless, unless someone brought ice cream and pie into the office. Okay? I'm on a low-carb diet. Try not to eat carbs unless someone, my wife, buys ice cream and pie. Or sometimes I'm like, hey, babe, check out, see, go to Costco. Pumpkin pie, $6, can't beat it. I tell myself I'm going to work out three times a week, okay, on the calendar, three times a week, okay, unless anything comes up. <laughs> so truthfully, I work out about 1.42 times a week, <laughs> average-wise, right? That's what maintenance mode is, okay? I wake up every morning, I get on my scale, 173.8, okay? I, don't, I barely budge, okay? Bad day, 0.9, okay? Good day, 0.7, okay? That's what maintenance mode is, okay? And then there's growth mode. And to illustrate growth mode, unfortunately, I'm not using myself. <laughs> uh, there's a young man living in my house right now in the basement. Physically, he's on growth mode. His name's Sean. Every morning, I hear early, early, 5, 6 o'clock, I hear the door open. He's going out to warm up his car. It doesn't matter how cold, how dark it is, he's out to the gym swimming, Lifting weights, running, whatever. Every night when he comes home, doesn't matter how tired, how exhausted, how late, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, he goes down straight to the basement. I hear, he's on his stationary bikes for two, three hours. Why? Because of this. Check this out. Okay. I know you can't really quite see it. It's a calendar of his workout schedule for the rest of the year. I went downstairs one day. Months ago, when I saw that, I'm like, I'm going to preach a message on that. I don't know what exactly, but that's inspiring me to preach a message. Okay? So he crossed out the days past already, but he, 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 he scheduled his workout all the way till September, whatever date that is, and the very end says race day. And at the top, you can say Ironman, Maryland, 19. Now, those, for those who don't know what the Ironman is, Ironman is one of the most demented ridiculous, messed up inventions of man. I put it on, on, it's on par with like the guillotine, the water torture. I just don't get it. I'm going to deal with, I'm going to minister to him a little bit, but it includes a 2.4 mile swim. I don't know about you, but for me, like the kiddie pool, I swim from one side to the other end. I'm like, (sighs) 2.4 mile swim. And then you bike for 112 miles. And after that, you simply run the full marathon, 26.22 miles. Yeah, Uncle Brent, that's right. He's crazy. Where's Mike Fortner? No, I, the closest thing I've ever done on this is I, um, I ran a half, uh, half marathon one time, the Indy Mini. Mini. Um, you know, at the very end, when you cross the finish line, right, and they keep they have people saying, hey, just keep walking, keep walking, keep walking. After I finished, after I finished and crossed the line is what I did. I didn't care there were people coming behind me. I didn't care I was blocking them. I'm like, I am done. If you want me to move, you better move me because I'm not moving. No, people run the race. They're like, oh, that was a great experience. I can't wait to run another. I'm like, I am never doing anything like this ever again. In fact, just because of this, I, I fulfill my running quota for the next year. I'm walking everywhere I go, okay? I learned a lot from that. 
a lot of spiritual lessons, but some practical ones, like never run the half marathon again. So that's me. Anyway, I don't, I'm losing my point. Okay, my point is this. Okay, back to Sean. When you have an awesome, clear, and a very demanding, however worthy mission, you will have a correspondingly awesome, clear, and demanding discipline to back it up. Okay? See, for Sean, his training is not theoretical. Okay? He's not just doing it for show. He's not doing it so he can say, hey, guess what? I'm training for the marathon or the Ironman. He's doing it because he actually needs it. He needs to be trained so that when he's swimming 2.4 miles, he's not drowning. That when he's biking 112 miles, he doesn't cramp up. And when he's running the marathon, that he doesn't just collapse and die. Right? It's practical. Now, Paul said in his letter to his spiritual son he, in, in, in Timothy, he says, Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and the life to come. So let's get real here. Some of us are on spiritual crisis management mode, okay? There's no attention paid at all to your spirituality, to your spiritual growth, spiritual health. And then something, a blood vessel pop, a spiritual blood vessel pop, whatever that is, a crisis happened. Now you're like, God, help me. You're calling the pastors. You're coming to church. Others are spiritual maintenance, okay? You don't do terrible things. You help people when you can. You read your Bible when you can unless something happens. You come to church regularly unless something comes in the way, okay? There's no deep longing, deep vision to pursue God much further because there's no vision for spiritual growth. There's always that unless this happens. And then there are those who are on mission for discipleship. When you're on mission to be a disciple and to make disciples, Again, let me be clear. That's the mission. That's the mission of Jesus, to be a disciple and to make disciples. You can't afford to not know the word of God because your disciple might come to you and say, hey, Andrew, explain to me what this Bible verse means. Uh, is that even the Bible? You need to know the word of God. You can't afford not to hear God's voice in prayer. You can't afford to not have intimacy with Jesus. Why? Because someone might come to you and say, I have this really tough situation. I don't know how to navigate. I need wisdom. How about this? You can't afford not to live holy. You can't afford not to be consecrated. You can't afford to live like everyone else in the world. And people can't tell you apart. Because you have young men and women who are following after you. And you will lead them astray. If they see you sinning. Secret sins in your life. There's nothing like secret sins being exposed that's going to destroy someone's faith. You can't afford to not have those discipline. Check this out. The gravity of your mission should create the inertia for discipline to follow. The weight of your mission should naturally create the trails, the inertia for those spiritual discipline to follow. If you don't have those spiritual discipline to follow, check out the weight of your mission. In light of the importance of your mission, the pains, the sacrifices should be nothing. They really should be. If it hurts a lot, then you need to check your mission. Now, I want to brag on a couple of life guru leaders real quick. Uh, I know many of you guys are doing this, but I, I've watched uh, Tim DeLuca and Steve Owens for the last couple of years in their journey. 
once they start embracing their role, not just as life group leaders, but as disciples and disciplers or mentors, I see crazy change in their life. There's a sharpening and honing of their spiritual discipline. There's a sharpening of their focus. There's a sharpening of their hunger and desire to not just know the word of God, but to hear the voice of God and to live set apart. Why? It's because there are young men who are relying on them. Now, at the same time, there are bigger targets on the back from the enemy, right? Right, guys? That comes with it. But with that comes greater grace. It's the same reason why many people start taking their faith a lot more seriously after they have a child. Now, there's a tangible vision. So, do you struggle with spiritual disciplines? If you do, maybe you should consider whose mission you are on. So the second reason I'm on mission with Jesus is because I needed, I needed to develop my character, develop my spiritual discipline. And the third reason, the best way for me to summarize why I'm on mission for discipleship is because, well, the bottom line is because it's so good. It's so good. But, you know, I heard this on the other sermon, unrelated sermon, uh, I steal things liberally from other sermons. I figure they steal it from the Bible. I can steal it from them. So just letting you know. But he asked, this, this preacher, he asked this question. I don't remember his name, so I can't even give him credit right now. Uh, but he asked this question. He says, um, if Jesus came to you and said, what do you want from me? What's one thing you want from me? What would you say? Now, mind you, this is Jesus. This is not a blue genie from the bottle that you can just say, I want a million wishes, okay? A legitimate question from your Lord Jesus saying, hey, what do you, what do you want from me? I, I was at the gym working out. I was on the treadmill. It was one of the 1.42 times I was actually in the gym. Um, and I was thinking deeply, what do I really want? The deep desire, the deep desires of my heart, right? Just imagine right now, God comes to you and says, hey, what do you want? What's one thing you want from me? The first thing that came to my mind was, I want my kids to not just know you, but to love you, not just to serve you, but to you be used by you greatly, right? That's the first thing that came to my mind is my kids, my legacy. Not just my biological kids, but also my spiritual kids. That's the first thing that came to my mind. The second thing that came to my mind was, just being super real, financial provision. God, will you make sure I'm always provided for? My family is always provided for financially. Okay? Because when you think about family, you think money. It's just me. <laughs> and then the next thing that I thought about was my wife. And I thought, I want to have an awesome adventure with my wife. I want to live life to the full. I want a great adventure journey. I want to experience the awesome things that you have for us. And then I thought about Solomon because God basically had the same experience with Solomon. Remember that? I was like, Solomon's like, Solomon, what do you want? Solomon's like, I want wisdom. I'm like, uh, maybe I should pick that one. That one's pretty good. It worked out pretty good for him, right? It's like, maybe I should ask God for wisdom. You know, I need some wisdom in my life. And then I'm like, maybe I'm just being too selfish. I need to think about other people. So maybe I ask God that he will always answer my prayers. When I pray for the sick, when I pray for the hurting, they'll be healed. And then I look deep into my heart. I'm like, God, what is my most innermost desire, deepest longing in my heart? 
And I realized the deepest longing in my heart is that I know my Father intimately. I know my God. I know Jesus intimately. Like, not just know him, but really know him, that he knows me. And I, I remember walking to my car, snow on the ground, ice on the ground, and I had this epiphany. I had this realization that everything, all these deep longings in my heart, which are all legitimate desires, already has been fulfilled. They've been fulfilled in, number one, the cross. But number two, they have been fulfilled in the mission that Jesus has given us. Isn't that crazy? All these longing and desires, I'm telling you right now, God has already fulfilled them in the form of his mission. Check this out. The first one, I want my kids, spiritual kids, biological kids, to know and love God intimately. Long time ago in my journey, when I had my first, my first child, I and my wife had a chat, and we realized the best way for us to lead our children is to not make them the mission, to make God the mission. I knew that because I experienced that from my parents. My parents are also pastors, and, and, and even though sometimes I look back, I'm like, man, they never made this the mission. They kind of ignored this. I realized they were always passionate about Jesus. And my longing right now for Jesus, even when I was trying to be a rebel in college and so forth, I cling on to Jesus because I saw their passion for God, their genuine pursuit of Jesus. And I realized a long time ago, for me, the, the best way for me to lead my kids is not to make them the mission, but for them to see my mission with Jesus. My kids need to see that this thing is real. It's not just all talk, okay? This is real. Worship team, you guys can come on up right now. And for that to happen, I need to be the real deal and be on mission. I need to be a disciple. I need to make disciples. You know, you know some of us know us. We, I, we, my wife and I had uh, several different young men and young ladies who come through our house that we have mentored and loved. And my kids see that, and they, they, they call them auntie. This uh, uncle, this Uncle Sean, Uncle Chase, Uncle Chris, and, and they're all family. My kids are growing up in the atmosphere in which discipleship is normal. You know how this happened? It's because I live in someone else's house who disciple me as normal. And guess what? When I was young, my parents had people living in their house. Discipleship is part of life. They see it, and they will live it. Now, my second concern or second desire is provision that my that God will provide for me, provide for my family. And the Lord spoke to me. He says, when it's his mission, he will fit the bills. You guys know how a corporate company works? If you go on a corporate retreat or corporate training, guess who fits the bills? They're a good company. Who, who pays for them all? The company, right? They sent you on a trip. They sent you on a retreat. They pay for your food. They pay for your car, your mileage reimbursement. They pay for your hotel. Okay. They pay for it all. And the Lord said to me, he says, when you're on a mission with me, I will pay for it all. And that's just not voice in my head. The Lord actually said this in Matthew chapter 6. He, he said, don't worry about these things. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already know all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. If you're on his mission, it's his responsibility to pay for all the bills. If you're on your own, your own mission, you're paying for all the bills yourself. What about the, the desire for an exciting life, a fruitful life? 
John 10.10. 10. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. These are Jesus' words, not my words. My purpose, my mission, my vision for you is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I'm just saying, one of the most satisfying, most rewarding things in my life is discipleship. How could that be so exciting? Oh, my, think about the, the reward, the, 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 the legacy through discipleship. I mean, it just brings such joy to my heart. The relationship I've built with young men, my wife with young ladies, it is so rich, so beautiful. Yeah, I may, I may have never traveled to some crazy, you know, excursions and so forth. But, man, the highs and the lows and the wealth of relationship through discipleship, pouring your life into someone else, Nothing will top that. Nothing will top that. How about wisdom? James 1. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. James saying, hey, when you're in mission with God, when your heart and your faith is set on God, he will pour out all the wisdom you ever need to accomplish his mission. How about answer prayer? How do you always get God to answer your prayer? John chapter 14. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. What is that same works? Discipleship. You can ask for any, I'm skipping a little bit. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it. That's in the Bible. When you are a mission with him for his purpose, for his desires, for his wants, for his agenda, when you ask for something, that's according to what he wants to do anyway. Of course he will answer it. You want your prayers to be effective, be on the right mission. And finally, the deepest desire of all our hearts, that true intimacy for the one who loves us so much, he gave his life for us on the cross. Matthew 28, going back to it. I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Go and make disciples of all nations. That's why I'm going to be on the plane for 12 hours and another five hours tomorrow. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I am with you always. Our deepest desires are fulfilled through this mission. Of discipleship. Don't let other missions try to fulfill those desires. They simply cannot. In being a disciple and making disciples, the Lord will fulfill our deepest longing and our deepest desires. I can't afford to not follow Jesus. So just in closing, I want the, the ministry, the elders and pastors to come up. Okay, I want to make a couple altar calls. Now, many of you are discontent with your life. And here's the temptation, okay? And this is my temptation a lot. It's troubleshoot it. Hack it. Bandage it. Get a prayer. Manage a problem. We're managers. Troubleshooting. But I feel the Holy Spirit is saying right now, like, stop tweaking the problem. Okay? Don't put a band-aid on it. If you don't like your life, you need a new mission. You need a new mission. Let's be clear. The mission of Jesus is to be a disciple and to make disciples. Now, I want to make one, one call to those who have never been on mission with Jesus before. Okay? You're sick and tired of the mission you're on. 
the Holy Spirit has indicated to you the mission you're on is not on mission with Jesus. You have never been on mission with Jesus before. You might have been in church your whole entire life. You might have known the Bible up and down. But you know in your heart you have never been on mission with Jesus before. And you don't even know what that looks like. That's scary. It's intimidating. I don't even know where to start. That's you. I want you to come up here. Let us help you. Let us help you be on mission with Jesus. Know that the burden, the yoke is easy and the burden is light. Experience what that is like. And the second cause for those who want to be on mission with Jesus, have been on mission with Jesus, but halfway through the mission, somehow you got hijacked. You got hijacked. Something come along the way. Fear, anxiety, wounds, hurts, selfishness. Hijack your mission. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. Say, you're on the wrong mission. The alarm's going off in your head. You are on the wrong mission. Disciple, be a disciple, make disciple. If that's you, I want you to come up and repent. Pray with somebody and say, hey, you know what? I want to get back to the right mission. Amen? As worship leading, lead us in song, just come on up, that's you. Or maybe you just need to sit in your seat for a little bit and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. But don't forsake in this moment. You are always on a mission. You are always on the path. Whose mission are you on?